Hello, beautiful people of the internet, and welcome to this episode 48 of the Flux to Pose podcast, where we slice up and hand deliver a delicious slice of geek culture in weekly audio format. Mm-hmm. On today's show, you can enjoy, well, all the great things that we love to bring to you. A little what you playing, the news featuring games, movies, television, technology. We'll have uh, some remastered talk, a little uh, comic book movies, and hey, we'll talk about Windows 10 a little bit and what's going on there. Uh, Overclocked Remix will feature a little Final Fantasy VII. Netflixation with Detachment, the indie drama. Mm-hmm. And we'll, uh, we got a good community grab bag along with our, our winner for the uh, PSN giveaway, and we've got some good questions to answer from you, the listeners. Let's, uh, let's get started with that. Lucas? I guess yes. I should actually say, this is Jason Lacey, and I am joined <laughs> by none other than Lucas Rose. How are you, sir? I'm good. I was gonna. I was gonna say you were. You were so concerned about making sure that you get the uh, the the docket out there today. That I was. Uh, I was focused on that. You were excited for it. I was also worried that I had toggled off my voice and halfway through that, and I was like, "Oh shit! <laughs> I bet you I lost all that." But no, we're good. We're good. Excellent. Well, you know, I'm doing. I'm doing pretty good. Uh, I, I have a story for you, and I forgot to share it. Story time. Last week. Yes, and it, and it is not dog podcast for me today. Uh, Dogcast, as it's dog known. Dogcast. Um, I didn't. Uh, you didn't do the voice when you said docket earlier, though. On the docket today. Okay, yeah, now you it, can tell it's story. getting it's getting more and more ridiculous. So. <laughs> that should just be our intro music from now on. Get him on the phone. Other, better than other stuff. Get get him on the horn and see if what, what I mean, music what's, what's we can... he doing today anyway? I know, right? Um, so last week, uh, someday I don't remember what day it was. I was just uh, I have a as you know I have a few uh, hockey pieces of hockey equipment. I I'm a kind of a at home aficionado of hockey mm-hmm. thing, I do. things. Yes, you are. Uh, I, uh, so recently I got a hockey goal for me to shoot pucks at as opposed to shooting them oh, sweet. at brick walls and other things. So I just, you know, every once in a while, I, I kind of have it downstairs left up, you know, I walk by and take a couple pot shots here and there. And, uh, this day was no different than any other. You're like, oh, I'm Wayne Gretzky. Look how good I am. <laughs> yeah, Cody is very unimpressed by it. By the way, he freaks out. He really likes to chase the pucks. It's awful because I don't want to uh, shoot him with one. That would be horrible. I'd probably hurt, too, because uh, I could shoot it so fast. But, uh, You're like I, Shea I, Weber with that 108-mile-per-hour <laughs> slap shot, aren't you, bro? That's right. That's right. Well, th- today's offering was a, 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 a quick wrister, if you will, wrist shot that uh, sailed way over the net. I, I, I remember when we played NHL oh, on, no. on Xbox <laughs> and you would see somebody go to take a, you know, like just there's no way they could, couldn't bury the shot. Sure enough, it just goes flying over the net. And now I know how that happens because the way that it's set up is I can walk out my door and the the mat that you shoot off from is right in front of me. And then to my left is basically the rest of the basement and where the net is. And so it, what did you break? 
in front on top basically right above the net is one of those small little basement windows that uh, this oh, one no. this one is a bit older than the other ones because it wasn't double paned it, it's just like three section windows so, so the net is in where your laundry room is <laughs> yes exactly okay. well i shot this puck straight through the window well one of the panes of the windows it broke like glass that you see in a movie like <laughs> just exploded and oh. <laughs> i here's the weird thing i have no clue where the puck went i looked down because there's some boxes below the window as well i looked in there and i didn't find it just a cursory glance and then i went go, outside go, okay okay i went outside and i didn't find it either so i have no freaking clue where this thing went it could be in the neighbor's yard for all i know i don't i don't know so sure enough i'm uh, thankfully we had some extra cardboard laying around and i quickly kind of made up this little cut out a little cardboard square and pasted it to that pane of the window so that the cold air didn't get in but but yeah, I uh, oh man, damaged our home. I'm just gonna go out on a limb and say that if you were at like an actual rink and you would have missed the net like that, I mean, the power of your wrist shot clearly would have shattered the glass behind the net too. It's I mean, true. It's a given if you broke the window. Yeah, I, I mean, it would have at the very least taken you know the net that's behind to make sure that it that the puck doesn't fly into the crowd right through it. <laughs> and Toast. set that on fire yeah exactly so so yeah i thought i would share my sweet elite skills at shooting hockey pucks with you that's a that's a pretty good skill you have to come over and check it out yeah we've been saying that for like two years since you got those uh ice pad <laughs> things and i've yet to see those in person as well <laughs> well i will send you a, an invitation in the mail Okay, I like it'll formality. Be the, it'll be the ice capades. Oh, perfect. That'll that'll do. That'll <laughs> do nicely. That'll do, pig. Ah, that's man. all I got going on, man. Uh, let's see. I I had the one story before this one that I'm going to tell, and then mm. I just lost it. What was it? Oh. Oh yeah. Okay. I am. Uh, I am a online amiibo hunter now. Apparently, now that oh, you know, no. I've actually used Link. I'm like, I, I want to get a few, but luckily for me, they're all sold out. You can't find them <laughs> anywhere. So I set up a couple of uh, some price tracking alerts. So whenever they're available for twelve ninety nine, like the legit retail price, I'll get an email alert. And Fox, I got one for Fox today when I was at the gym. Ooh. So I didn't see it until afterwards. And so by the time I got it, he, I think it was only available for like thirty minutes from Best Buy. And then they were out of stock again. So I was like, ah, he eludes me once again. But uh, that's it's it's a fun challenge. I'm like, I'm not going to dra- drive all over the place and try to get them in stores. Because so like, I don't know a lot of people are like the newest wave three, I want to say, is out. So a lot of people are getting those, which is like Bowser, Toon Link, uh, Sheik, maybe. Um, I don't know. So a lot of people, the thrill, the hunt, that's what they uh they like to do but uh, it's the new beanie babies it, it is it really is so I, it's it's nuts how like nintendo's smart about doing it you know they if if it's purposely purposefully this way to like release such a small stock so they're out everywhere and the demand just you know flies to the roof but the downside is the two you've got those people that just buys a bunch that they know it's going to be rare and then they scalp the prices online for a large take which sucks for everyone else but People yeah. just shouldn't buy from them. And that's the solution. Mm-hmm. The the funner story I have 
took place this Saturday. Ooh. My uh, brothers came to town, which are, I have two younger brothers. Uh, the oldest of the two is going to be 25 in uh, August, excuse me, in March. And then the younger is going to be 23. And uh, gosh, I, th- I hope that's right. <laughs> the bad, bad older brother that I am. Anyway, uh, they came to town and we uh, went to a well, we went to a Griffins game. Mm-hmm. Uh, here in Grand Rapids, we have a Detroit Red Wings AHL affiliate, affiliate, the Grand Rapids Griffins. So we went to that at seven, and we went to Stella's. Well, I took them to the Vault of Midnight first to show them that, and I ended up buying a um, the new Star Wars line of comics, the uh, number one issue uh, that Marvel has back now. And I actually did a, I signed, went ahead and subscribed to that. So the vault has a free subscription service where you can subscribe to any single issue comic series as you want. And mm-hmm. they order them special for you and pull them and hold them for you. Oh, that's cool. And then all they ask is that you come in once a month and pick them up and pay for them. And you save 10% as well. Wow. And I think you actually get, you'll get 10% on manga as well, but not on any, any trade paperbacks or graphic novels. But still, ten percent on single issues. I mean, so I'm saving fifty cents on each those Marvel ones. I think around five bucks. So, I picked up that. I ordered one of the missing Dark Horse, the Star Wars, the original screenplay adaptation, like mm-hmm. the eight part series. I don't know if I'm missing seven as well. I need to just go and look. I just have been lazy. I haven't done it. But I know for sure I don't have number eight. So I ordered a special variant cover of that, and they had volumes like two through seven in this one Mega Man series in trade paperbacks. And I was like. Uh, can I get volume one? Because I really liked, you know, free comic today last year, that one uh, Mega Man comic. Or was it Mega yeah. Man X? I don't uh, quite remember. It was kind of both in the story anyway. Okay. I, th- I thought that was really cool. So I was like, oh, I wouldn't mind reading that. And that's by Archie Comics. But they didn't, they couldn't get that one. So I'll just have to buy that online. So brother loved that. It was a really cool store. Um, my one brother probably would have bought a bunch of Dragon Ball Z manga, but they didn't have volume one. So that's probably <laughs> for the best because they love Dragon Ball Z. Uh, so we went to the game. We went to Stella's, the you know the the barcade that we have mm-hmm. here in town. Um, was crazy busy, so we didn't get to play. That any place games. is had, always freaking busy. Yeah, it was like a forty-five minute wait for a table, so we just had beers and went to the game. Ate, went to the game. Uh, the game was really fun. It was a great game. Griffins came back and won, and then we decided to go. My my youngest brother, one of his best friends, must go to school, and he lives here in town, so we, he was out too. So we met up then with the bar right next to the arena, and my youngest brother was going to go home that night originally, and I had told him, you know, you're more than welcome to stay with Jess and I, and um, for one reason, my older brother, older younger brother, I'll say probably say older brother, but just ease confusion, <laughs> um, he had been drinking, and then he decided he wanted to buy sh- Well, somebody bought shots, and then he decided he was going to keep buying shots. So he kept sending oh, my brother's gosh. friend up, because he, he, he had cash from our tickets, for us to reimburse him he, he said he'd send, give him a 20 and go brad give me a tall two-hearted and as many shots as you can buy with this <laughs> and he did that <laughs> twice then he was doing it with his debit card and he was bought like rum chata oh god uh oatmeal cookie sh- shot uh fireball rum chata did this a few times and my youngest brother was finally he's feeling a little buzz and he's like screw it i'm staying out i'm not going home and he's like i'm gonna get drunk and he hardly ever drinks so he just doesn't drink a whole lot, so he was feeling good. And then I, I was, I was driving, so I, I was taking it pretty easy. And before the end of, we we're getting ready to leave. My brother's like, "We're doing one more run, Chato, but just for three, just for the brothers." <laughs> so he buys it, does the shot, 
and he was just like kind of acting kind of drunk, but then he, as he's doing that shot, he's doing the mm, uh, mm, mm, kind of forcing it down, and I'm like, what? So we leave, and it, uh, Will's friends are going to another bar, and Garrett can barely barely make it down up the street. I'm like, no, we gotta take Garrett home. He's done. Garrett's pretty. I mean, I've seen him a couple times, and he's pretty pretty lightweight. Well, we've come to realize probably the big problem was is he hadn't eaten anything since nine o'clock that morning oh my until God. we got Stella's, and he had ran like seven miles that oh, day. Jeez. So he, his body was didn't really have everything a whole lot to, to process. Everything anything. he drank went straight into his liver all at once, and just it just yeah killed it. But he was all about <laughs> buying the shots, and so he's like, we get into the parking garage. I swear he started dry heaving, but then he's then he's like, we're gonna race to the car, and he like sprints up flights of stairs in the parking garage then he gets in the car started passing out in the car but then managed to wake up to yell at random pedestrians on the road (laughs) and uh the highlight on the drive home is you know garrett's in the front seat falling asleep and will's in the back and all of a sudden he he he's like hugging garrett's seat because garrett was in the seat next to me as i'm going on the on-ramp which is kind of curved and then you get on the highway and then it curves a bit too and he's like oh my gosh we're going so fast right now. <laughs> we're going like 75. But in his his mind, we were like the Millennium Falcon. Punch it, Chewie. <laughs> you know? Light speed. So, so, I mean, needless to say, we had a good time. You know, you got home safe. They had a fun. It was good. To, I don't get to get to hardly ever see my – I see Garrett every once in a while now. We live in the same city, but I never see Will. So it was good. And the three of us getting together is almost unheard of. So that, it was a really great time. Um, needless to say, Garrett was feeling pretty rough the next morning. But mm-hmm. – uh, it was fun to see him. Uh, yeah, he was definitely all about the shots. It's, it's, uh, it's interesting. That's awesome. And I don't. It, it was kind of. It was kind of like time traveling, you know, a little bit because it was like a snapshot of my youth again. Yeah. And I was like, man, I remember when this is like all you would want to do Friday and Saturday, and it's like, man, I do not miss this at all. Like the bar was so packed, and I just can't imagine what it's like to, to go out and do that every weekend again. You know. Did did. Uh... Will or Garrett ever do the? Will you said was the one who thought he you thought he was going to throw up? No, Garrett was. Oh, it was Garrett? Did he ever ever do the power belch in the in the um, walking out to the car or anything like that? <laughs> nope, but he uh, he did uh, he did have the spews the next morning. Oh God! And then I felt imagine. pretty bad about it because it was the first time he's felt that sick since college. He said, "Wow." And he didn't <laughs> he didn't remember anything. I had to drag him onto my air mattress. Oh, it was good times. The power belch, by the way, is something that when Jason and I went to Montreal, uh, you thought you were going to barf one time and all of a sudden you just just let out this huge belch. You're like, nope, I'm good. Let's keep going. I I just think it's members like, guys, I got to I got to take care of this. I got to let it out. (laughs) And then, yep. Hands on knees, probably bent over. Yep. And you were ready to go. That's how it's done. Yeah. That's how you do it. That's well, how you do it. Well, man, I haven't, I don't, I know you don't normally drink any kind of liquor. Did you have many of the shots? Uh, just like I did uh, the two rum chata and I had, uh, <laughs> gosh, I actually had like four. Those are maybe a fifth. I don't know, but really I, they all felt extremely weak. Like well, I didn't, I never, say, I, I didn't not, even feel buzzed at all from any of that. So yeah, they're all mixed with other things. Yeah. And I only had one beer while we were there. So there you go. So yeah, on that note, Very good. let's, uh, let's get into a little, what should we plan? 
What should, what should we play in? What we plan. I like it. Shall I start or shall you go? Oh, go ahead, sir. Regale me with your tales of legendary conquests in video game format, <laughs> but make it in an exciting and entertaining way so that the audience feels like they're uh, also there. No pressure. And go. All right. Well, as you have, if you've been keeping up with the podcast, you probably know I've been talking about Dragon Age for the past like three shows, but I've uh, finally gotten. I I finished the original Dragon Age, moved on to Awakening, which is a bit of a longer kind of epilogue sort of where um, it's directly after the happenings of Dragon Age Origins and continues some of the story, but with new characters, basically. So there is one that is recurring, but uh, the rest of them are new. And I'm glad I did because um, now that I've moved on to Dragon Age 2, those some of those characters are in Dragon Age 2, and I wouldn't have known who they were had I not played the um, Awakening. Yeah. And that was that was probably, gosh, I don't even know, maybe eight hours of gameplay. Oh, man. No, I might have asked, you might have told this in the past shows, and I might have just glazed over, but what type of character were you playing in Dragon Age? Well, um, much like any RPG, you can kind of pick, like, Rogue, Warrior, um, um, Mage, something like that. I actually went warrior, but I specialized in um, dual blades or like dual wielding. Oh, okay. Now are you going to keep that in the next Dragon Age or are you going to go in another opposite direction? Well, let me get to that in a second because okay. that's one of my that's one of my things. I started Dragon Age 2, but um, before I get to that, um, I finished Awakening and then there's two other DLC that are much shorter that you just you kind of play in chronological order if you care about those things, which I do for some reason. And um, Dragon Age Awakening was good, by the way. I really enjoyed it. It was uh, a good enough story to stand on its own, so I appreciated that. Then I played uh, Golems of Amgarak, which before I looked it up to make sure what it was, I could never remember what it was called. And then um, that one I wasn't... It was kind of a standalone story. You don't go with anybody else. You go alone and meet some people there at this um, at this uh, dwarven mine thing. It the story kind of sucked. I told I was texting you, Jason, about it. It was basically a glorified reason to have a difficult boss fight, <laughs> right? And so, like the idea behind it was cool. It was about a um, one of the old dwarven lands was or buildings was basically lost when all the dark spawn entered the the where this place is at well they were experimenting with um some kind of form of magic or something there and um once they had to leave they um they 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 were doing these experiments and somehow they were they were trying to bring back something from the dead and they had like stitched it together like Frankenstein's monster almost. Well, the head popped off when it came to life and then it kind of like settled back down and died. Well, they couldn't find the head. And after years and years and years of, of this thing being gone and after this thing fell into ruin, it um, kind of grew up and became a monster. It was basically a head with hands that connected back onto the body that they had made in the past. And it, mm -hmm. so it was like this huge, disgusting 
boss fight creature thing. So that was kind of cool. But the whole reasoning behind it and the the functionality of, of there was a lot of like running back and forth. And I don't ever really appreciate backtracking and stuff. So the story was pretty weak, but the boss was cool. was basically what I'm trying to say. Uh, and then finally, there's Witch Hunt, where in the at the end of Dragon Age Origins, you tell one of your characters that you'll find them because they're leaving after the battle, the the final battle. Well, she tells you not to not to come looking for her, for her, but you do it anyway. Apparently, according to this DLC, and I actually like this one a lot better. It still wasn't great. I mean, it was only like two hours long, but it kind of wrapped up. It was the very last of the Dragon Age Origins DLC and story and everything. So mm, it was kind of mm-hmm. nice to have that wrap up and you kind of see what where she ends up going. And that's basically the last thing you do with that character that you make for Dragon Age Origins. Because when I started Dragon Age 2, it's happening concurrently with the Ah, dragon age origin story but you're in a different part of the land in dragon age origins you're in ferelden so let's say that's like the united states or whatever and then in uh, dragon age 2 you go to a place an area called the free marches and so far it's mostly been in kirkwall the city kirkwall which is um we'll say canada so it's like a little bit farther away. A lot of people from this Ferelden area are going to Kirkwall to try to get away from from all the the darkspawn and everything. So right away, the difference is immediate as far as graphics go. You go from like really blurry kind of dark textures and color from Dragon Age Origins to Dragon Age 2, which has a much like origins barely even had a lighting system in place like there weren't there were shadows but there wasn't really any kind of soft lighting or any kind of like soft shadows type stuff so in dragon age 2 it definitely looks a lot brighter um there's an hd texture pack that you can download that makes everything look clearer which is a huge deal because a lot of the stuff in origins was was blurry or or just weird looking and um now my character in Dragon Age 2, you don't you do get to create a character so to speak in that you get to see what he looks or you get to make what he looks like and everything. But you're forced to be a human and you either are a human warrior, rogue or mage and it has no like I I know you've played Origins before and and mm-hmm. the, in Origins you got to pick a race and a background and that kind of told you where you started out in the world. And in this, you you play as a character named Hawk. It's his last name, but no matter what you name him, he's referred to as Hawk. And Perfect. you're that character. You're always that character, no matter what you make. So you make him look different. I gave mine a, a rocking mustache with uh, some uh, mutton chops, so he looks really cool. But uh, he's a, I made a rogue that's kind of... Normally, in Origins, I was kind of like the the good guy, the really nice, like help everyone type guy. And in this one, I'm kind of nice. I'm, I'm basically Han Solo. I crack jokes a lot, but I'm also <laughs> got a heart of gold as long as there's enough money involved. So um, the main differences, though, is that it looks better. But the I don't know how I feel about the combat system yet. It's very, very much faster. It's very uh, Dragon Age was very kind of slow and plotting and I paused the battles a lot to kind of set everybody up. 
And in this, I just kind of feel like I'm right clicking and waiting for things to die. Uh, the the two-handed like system compared to the other compared to Dragon Age is so much faster. It it's it almost looks ridiculous. Like all of the animations are sped up to a point where if you're used to Origins, it almost looks cartoonish kind of. But <laughs> I I can't tell if I how I feel about it yet because it's different. I don't want to say it's bad yet. It's just different. So maybe once I get used to it, it won't bother me as much. Right. So. Right. So yeah, I I've played a, probably about a good two hours or so of that of Dragon Age two so far. So I'm looking to get a bit further into it before I really give any impressions on it. Yeah, I don't know why. Well, I, I never finished Origins for one. But I remember I was like excited for that when it was announced, and then I played the demo sort of and just kind of uh, with it. It definitely is a lot different if you're used to like the Baldur's Gate type experience with rpgs from origins dragon age 2 is so far i haven't even had to switch to another person to do any kind of like um tactics so to speak or strategies i just wait for things to die but i'm still kind of in the beginning missions, so i'm only level like i'm under level 10 for sure so maybe it'll get more difficult later on in the game right that pretty much sums up everything i've been playing i I basically you know fast-tracked dragon age so i could get it done before today um so i had tried i watched the first episode of this this tv show and it didn't really latch on to me for some reason and now i'm totally regretting that because i i've been binge watching this show now because i i like it so much it's right up my alley of humor and it's just great parks and recreation parks and rec as most people call it. I still have never watched any of this. It's basically, it's kind of like a mix between the office as far as like the feel of the humor. And I mean, it's, it's another, like they're, they're shooting a documentary about this city or something like that. So it, it still feels like the office in that sense. And, and the jokes are kind of the same, but the, the um relationships and the stories that they tell per episode aren't as involved with like i feel like the office was a lot about jim and um pam for most of it and then everything else happened around that whereas this doesn't have as much of a recurring theme so far it's more i don't know it's more about the main character just kind of going about her job in this um parks and rec uh, thing <laughs> so hmm. I don't know it it the comedy is a little bit more subtle I, f- I found most of the time than um, the office there's not a lot of that's what she said type stuff but um, it's it's kind of more I don't want to say smart because the office wasn't dumb but I don't know it just kind of it, it's a it's just more subtle that's that's really all I can say okay. um and then, and I like it. I'm binge watching it, and Chris Pratt is hilarious and awesome, and I love his character. It seems like every time he has a scene, and then he walks out of the scene, he never walks. He does this really dopey, like childish run jog thing. Uh, no wonder you like it then. He's just ridiculous. <laughs> uh, are you calling me childish? Yes. Or are you saying I have a crush on Chris Pratt? That, because yeah, he, he both re- are true. Yeah, he might replace <laughs> Paul Rudd. I don't know. Oh, replace. Why not just have them both? Anyway, um, so 
I've been been watch binge watching that, and then I had the chance to watch two movies, um, Divergent, which I really don't want to go get into that much, other than it was very it was bland and not really that interesting. Uh, Danette watched it with me, and we both read the books, and she's read more of them than I have, and she even thought it was boring. It just, I don't know. It was really quickly done. You didn't really have a chance to get to know anybody like you do in the books. And I'm not saying the books are like great or anything, but um, I don't know. It just wasn't, I wasn't expecting a lot and it didn't deliver a lot. So I kind of just felt like I wasted my time. And then I have one of those movies to tell you about too. Oh, excellent. So you know exactly what I'm talking about. And then uh, I did have a chance to watch Chef. I know that Dave had uh, said that he was interested in my opine about the movie and i gotta say i really liked it if i had to give it a star rating i'd probably give it a four or four and a half um it's about it's basically at its core about a chef who gets kind of fed up with working in the constraints of working for underneath a boss basically working for a restaurant as opposed to working for himself he has all these ideas to um basically freshen up the menu but he's he kind of got lost in his own um stardom from the beginning because everybody expected a lot out of him from the beginning and he delivered but now everybody only wants what he normally cooks because it fills the the restaurant and that's all the boss really cares about but he's getting like bombarded by critics because they feel like you know he's just doing turning out the same old same old so Throughout, basically, after a bunch of stuff happens, he decides to open his own food truck instead. And um, I feel like it's kind of a good analogy for pretty much anybody who does anything um, even remotely creative, I, I, I would say. I mean, um, it, it kind of reminds me of a lot of things I've heard about other artists say. So, and I have to imagine that, you know, John, John Favreau or however you say his last name, because he, he originally did like stuff for himself as far as um, directing goes. And then he moved on to like Iron Man and stuff like that. So I'd have to imagine there's some of what he felt about, you know, his own career in a movie, in this movie. So uh, it did end on a happy note and it didn't bother me one bit. Uh, there are enough ups and downs throughout the movie. Uh, it's pretty, it's fairly emotional, um, but it's not sappy or anything like that. I didn't feel it was a very, um, very heartfelt and, uh, more realistic portrayal of a family that kind of got torn apart or lost its way and kind of comes back together at the end. And, and I think what really helps, the ending be believable is just the way that the rest of it was written and the way that they kind of slowly come together throughout the movie. So it's not like they just were like, and you know, they live happily ever after you could, you could see the turn and everything kind of slowly start pushing towards the good ending, so to speak. So it ah. was much more believable. So yeah, four, four to four and a half stars. It was a good movie. So what you've been up to? That, that was on disc, right? That was, yep, I got that through Blu-ray uh, or DVD um, Netflix. Oh, cool. Very good. A uh, little uh, bit of the same, a bit of the old, a bit of the new. Cop uh, on Heroes of the Storm every once in a while, I'll get a message like on Skype and Facebook at the same time from friends. Just be like, yo, 
you played in Heroes, we need a fifth. And I'll hop on <laughs> and we play and it's fun. So still doing that. Uh, you can actually, uh, you can buy into the beta now. I think it's like $40 that you can get instant access. But you get like Holy a God. couple, there's like a few sets of Heroes, in-game currency and some other stuff you get with that. But so if anyone really, really wants to play, you can buy into it. Uh, Captain Toad, I've been trying to finish off. I think it's one of the last bonus levels. It's a, it's called Mummy, Mummy Me Forever or something like that. And it's <laughs> the Mummy Me is like a little uh, mummy toad thing that like pursuits you in levels. And he, he like mimics your movement. So he follows directly behind you and mirrors the exact same move sets that you do, but probably like two seconds behind you. So he's constantly following you and it's in a maze level. And there, it's an endless maze, so you you can just keep going from floor to floor, and there's coins and random enemies throughout the level. And so the goal is to get uh, 5,000, like the target I need to get is 5,000 coins. And so far, the best I've done is 40, like I got like 4,216 the other day. So I'm getting so close, but I, I haven't quite gotten the 5,000. It's like the one achievement I'm trying to get, to get a crown, which I've gotten on every other level in the game. So I occasionally I'll bust that out, and I, I'll try to do that in hindsight though while i've done that i've also maxed out my lives at 99 so it's kind of <laughs> it's, it's it's challenging but it, the hardest part though is because of the camera and i want to hold down the a button for to run mm-hmm. to help avoid enemies so i'm having to do that and then i'm having i'm using like my index figure like a claw to use the right thumbstick to to navigate the camera so it, it's kind of an oh. uncomfortable way to play but it that seems to work the best I had uh, took it. I took advantage of uh, the sales that the the Wii U eShop is having on the Wii downloadable titles. So I did buy uh, Super Mario Galaxy 2, and I got with my digital deluxe uh, credit. I got Punch Out for five dollars. Nice. So for fifteen dollars, I got two great games. I I've only played like uh, a couple levels of Super Mario Galaxy 2, just to kind of get the hang of it. I hate the fact. I well, I've learned through this and Punch Out that the Wii remote is a really crappy knockoff, which I knew anyway. So I really need to probably replace the Wemo and the Nunchuck. The Nunchuck especially because the thumbstick is just garbage on that. has a very huge negative range. Um, the Wemo might be salvageable, but it's just weird having to play with the motion controls. I wish they had, like, classic controller support for that game, but yeah. it's still fun. It's still a good game. And, uh, like, the whole planet mechanics, how that works is, is kind of cool because I never played Galaxies. Or Galaxy 2. I missed out on all those Wii games. And I tell you what, Punch-Out, I've sunk probably the most time into that. That is freaking fun because I, I loved the old game. Mm-hmm. I used to always play it with my dad when I was younger. And then I had gotten the game. And then when I, like in high school, I finally had beaten it on my own. Like I had never beaten it before. And then I just remember playing and playing it and finally getting past like Super Macho Man, getting past Mr. Sandman, and then taking out Mr. Dream. I didn't have the Tyson version, and you know it felt like quite an accomplishment because I mean it, you have to make a lot of precision dodges and like especially in Mister with against Mister Dream, like one hit he'll knock you oh, out. Oh yeah, so dude. That was that was an accomplishment. So this is like a it looks great too because of the art style that they took the game. Um, it looks fine with the 480i uh, resolution that the Wii had, and it's you know it's it's a really cool reimagining of Punch Out and like how they brought back some of the old characters and revamp them and then the characters from like the super nintendo game and even some new characters it's really fun i'm at like um i'm actually at mr sandman right now Mr. Sandman, taking the time to beat him but 
it's gonna be frustrating, but it's fun. It's fun and challenging to get the stars, and then when you unload with a mega uppercut, and I love how the fighters take uh, physical damage on their faces throughout the matches. Like every time they get knocked down. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, it's a great game, and for being two thousand nine, it, it's I think it holds up really well. So that's been a lot of fun. Are man. you playing with the um, control, like the movement controls or like... Oh, hell yeah. no. I'm, I'm turning that Wiimote sideways. <laughs> I was going to say, I heard that's pretty... It, it's okay if you're just like playing around. I tried it and... once, but it's just... It, I don't want to have to sit here and you literally have to, to do a, to do a jab, you have to hold up on the nunchuck and then punch your, your hands forward oh. and that's fun for about two seconds. Yeah, so, I can see how no, that would get you. annoying. And movie-wise, I felt like Jess and I might have watched something else, but then we—I don't know—we had talked about it, and then she had wanted to watch it. And one of her friends had let her borrow, but we had recorded it as well. Um, Rock of Ages. Oh yeah, yeah, with Tom my Cruise, right? My God, I want the three hours of my life back. A, that movie is long, and it—gosh, it. Oh, it, it did not. I hate it. Oh, I didn't hate it as much as Jess did. Let's put it this way: the only thing we really liked about that movie was the soundtrack. I mean, I was impressed with Tom Cruise's singing ability, but the fact that we recorded this on ABC Family, because the some of the content in this movie is very not family oriented. Oh, really? oh yeah, there's, there's a lot of just like it, I mean, there's nothing explicit, but drugs, I mean a lot I of assume. innuendo, a lot of just like sex. Oh. I mean, you got Julianne Julianne Ho Huff, or I guess you pronounce that Julianne Huff, Huff dancing around in like lingerie, and just it's mm, it just was bad. She's not that great of an actor. There are a lot of people in that movie that weren't great actors. It was kind of funny how they like mashed up some songs here and there, but I don't know. I guess I just hate musicals, and I should avoid them at all costs, but I didn't for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> and I did read, well, I had mentioned it already, and I would read that you know, Star Wars number one, Marvel, and I really liked it, and it was good, so I'm nice. going to keep reading that. And Do I hope it. to get the, the finish off the series in Dark Horse that I was reading. I hope to get those issues as well. And that's it. That is all I've done. I mean, there's a little Smash Brothers here and there, a little Awesome Knots, but nothing nothing crazy. Well, excellent. All good things must come to an end. Yep, so this show's done. See you guys. All right. Bye. No news. Just Unless... kidding. Ooh. It's time for the news. Push the button that makes the dust come out of the floor so we can sit <laughs> We'll start off with some game talking. Oh, Ooh. Christopher Game Talking. Christopher Game. <laughs> yes, Christopher. Christopher Game Talking. I don't know. Wow. <laughs> I we went to some... the Borderlands <laughs> and found Handsome Jack. Handsome Jack. Jack. What you got? <laughs> what you gotta do is go out to the Borderlands. I don't care how you get there. Just get there and find yourself a handsome Jack. Ooh, that's some Jack <laughs> collection. Collection and play the that's games. Not, that's not bad. Thank you. At first, you sounded like an, just not him at all, but you, you picked it up there at the end. That's how it goes when you do something off the cuff. You so, just have to wait until everyone stops listening. Right. So the game industry is repackaging something and shiny new and selling it to you yet again. Yes. Now with you, Borderlands. But at least I think the value here is kind of nice. You're getting Significant. Yeah, you're getting Borderlands 2 the pre-sequel and all the DLC at the typical, like, what, $60 retail price. And this is wow. on PS4 and Xbox One. Uh, the benefit here, I think you get uh, 
I don't know if no. the graphics are enhanced, but I know I've heard that they'll it'll support four player local co op now with you know the enhanced processing power of these yeah. new systems. Yeah, I did see that as well. I just feel like the pre sequel is like a waste of time. Like I really do. I feel like that's like Borderlands two point five. I feel like the the name convention there is a little questionable. Like it it already tells me that it shouldn't feel like Borderlands three. Like you say, I feel like it. They just took Borderlands two and then added more. Well, like, when a I, bigger when you heard that it. it was going to be another studio was going to be doing the work on it, it's kind of like the whole Call of Duty thing, and you're like, eh, I'll just wait for Borderlands three. You know? Yeah, exactly. Kind of more of the same. So I think this is. I think this is going to be great for people that hadn't played Borderlands two. You know, that could jump on and like, mm-hmm. if I had a console, I, I mean, I. I I already had bought in Borderlands 2 twice anyway. I had bought it on 360. I had gotten the season pass, so I had all the DLC. And then I ended up buying Borderlands 2 Game of the Year Edition on for, on Steam for like 10 or 15 bucks and got all the DLC again. So, I mean, I, I'm one of those people that had bought in the game twice already. So, Well, do you want to buy this? Uh, Gearbo- 2K and Gearbox also revealed a Claptrap in a Box edition of the game available for pre-order with 5,000 units to be made available worldwide. The Claptrap in a Box edition includes a copy of the Handsome Collection, a remote-controlled Claptrap steward, steward, a steel case, and 12 lithographs. So you basically have your own little Claptrap that you can That's probably control. stupidly expensive. Oh, I'm sure. It doesn't even say how much it is, so you know it's expensive. So interesting. I just, I don't like these trends that we have where it's like, we're just going to sell you the same thing again because you're going to buy it, you know? But yeah, uh, I can see the pros and cons in this. I mean, nobody's going to want to play Borderlands on their 360, but I don't, hmm. I would be, for a lot of people, you know, it's, it's the fun about playing with people. Like I, I'll, I'll reference to like the, the married to the games podcast community. I'm a part of there's, I could probably play any game like through the PS4 community on there and the Xbox one is all very active, but I mean, people will buy just about anything there because you're playing it with this large group of people. And that's what makes it fun. The, the medium isn't really important. It's experience. So as long as the game's remotely fun, it's a good time. So in that case, you know, it's going to work, but some of those, a lot of those guys didn't, you know, had passed on borderlands. So it's a good, good jumping point. Yeah, exactly. If you haven't played it before, that's pretty much the only people who would be looking for this, I would assume. Yeah, I mean, it's a good. Pr- I mean, if you were going to play the one to play the pre sequel and you missed pass on that, you're getting that for the same price you would have bought it anyway. But now you're getting all of Borderlands too as a bonus, and all the DLC. And which, the DLC, which, as we know. Oh, by the way, yeah, no Dragon Age two DLC because they're still trying to pass that stuff off for ten dollars a download. So no, thank you. Oh, wow, really? Yeah, I was like, this game has been, I think it was 2010. So I'm like, come on, really? But it's through the Origin store uh, Oh, that's the problem. Thing. No discount, yeah. hardly. Exactly. So uh, We'll jump on to Nintendo, and they are shutting down Club Nintendo. What? I don't uh, know what that this. Uh, the program's going to end this spring, and it'll, re- it'll have a replacement coming later, so... It's funny that you didn't know what it means because when you let me borrow uh, Twilight Princess, I totally stole your Club Nintendo code off of it. So. Oh, there you go. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, he doesn't probably even know what this is, so I'm going to use it. So, <laughs> and this is kind of right. This is the problem with Club Nintendo, and I think this is kind of why they, uh, they, they went this route. So, And this was the confusing, most confusing thing for me to wrap my brain around when I purchased the Wii U. People are like, oh, don't forget about Club Nintendo and the DDP. And I'm like, 
Diamond Dallas Page. What? <laughs> DDP. No. Uh, DDP was the digital deluxe promotion, which ended in December. So there's, there's these oh. two separate services that I had to register for with separate accounts. I'm like, what? So Club Nintendo and inside um, certain cases for games that you would buy, there is a Club Nintendo registration code. So you would sign up on Club Nintendo, you'd enter this product code, and you would get coins for buying the game. And then there would be a – so you'd have a registration survey, and you get coins, and then there would be a post-play survey, and you'd get more coins. Mm. And every year you'd have certain levels, that you, uh, but based on the total number of coins you earned. So you'd have a silver status, a gold status, and then a platinum. And then at the end of the Nintendo's fiscal year, they would give out rewards based on what level you had achieved. And they used to be, a couple years back, the phys- they would be physical awards, and they'd actually be pretty nice. Like, there was, like, this, like, a statue, uh, I think some soundtracks, I think there was these really cool um, Zelda things they'd given out. And, like, this year, people were really upset because it was all just, like, digital downloads of games, mostly, like, virtual console games that most people already own. So oh, yeah. that was kind of the thing. But every month they rotate um games that you can buy based on the number of coins you have and they're like 200 200 coins like um most recently i think there was like metroid the original metroid on virtual console so um they're gonna run promos right now um they just switched over i can't remember like the wii the wii u like they only have one game for you wii u one game they had two games for wii u i think two games for wii and then they're for like the 3ds so I don't know, the Wii U kind of got shafted, the games. Sometimes there's, like, some decent games you might want to download, but a lot of times they're not. Mm-hmm. So I've heard in February they're going to start rolling out a bunch of games just to help people burn up their balance, their coin balances. So, I mean, it's a cool thing. You know, you're, you're getting free stuff for buying games. So I'm hoping I'm going to have, like, 900 coins to use because I got platinum status. So I'm going to get some free reward for being a platinum um, reward tier. Mm-hmm. And I've hopefully I'm just hoping to get some cool, you know, maybe some NES games off the virtual console that I – played when i was younger that's what i'm hoping for nice and the and the ddp thing was like you had to have the black 32 gig uh console oh. and for for buying games digitally you'd earn points and you get 500 points you get five dollars e-shop credit so they ran that promo from the start of the wii u until this december so the thought is a lot of people i've talked with it's probably some way they're going to unify these two systems and link it all to your nintendo network id instead of having separate you know, networks for each thing. Yeah, that is kind of weird that it would all be separate like that. Yeah, so nowadays, hopefully anyway. this is a way of them unifying everything and um, bringing out, rolling out this new program that's going to take advantage of those, the both of those systems. So, Excellent. Club Nintendo's cool. Like, the most recent thing they did, if you bought, like, they had uh, these Smash Brothers posters that you get, or if you registered uh, the 3DS and the... Wii U version of Smash Brothers, you got the Mewtwo character DLC for free, and you'd get uh, uh, the soundtracks for the game. Mm. So, I don't know. It's a nice little reward I, system. I, I, I didn't get really a chance to get to take a whole lot of advantage of it just because I, you know, didn't get a Wii U until you know last uh, summer. But it was cool. I mean, you're still not you're getting things for free, so it wasn't anything. I can't scoff at it too much, and I'm looking forward to seeing what they do. I'm sure it'll be some sort of unified system similar to what they're already offering. And I'm okay with that. I'm all right with it, too. You better be. <laughs> Especially because it doesn't really have anything to do with me. <laughs> right? Uh, let's see here. Planet Side 2 breaks world record for most players in an FPS battle. 
Uh, as reported earlier in the month, the 24th of January was the date Planetside 2 players opted to gather in an attempt to break the world record for the largest online first-person shooter battle. The aim for was for 1,100 players, and on the day, an extra 58 turned up, comfortably beating Man vs. Machine record of 999. So we had 11,058 people taking place in this battle. Nice. Um, that sounds like mayhem. Yeah. Uh, community site Planetside Battles organized the event and have published the final battle report. During the course of the battle, there were 53,729 kills, 3,822 team kills, and 31 base captures. <laughs> um, looks like they have videos and everything. And I think We lost the, a lot of good men that day. <laughs> yeah. I think that game's getting ready to launch on the PlayStation 2. PlayStation 2, PS4. I don't know if it's on Xbox One as well. <laughs> yeah, I don't know where that came from. I saw two Planet Side 2 and I was thinking PlayStation, so I just combined the two. I like it. I played Planet Side 2 a little bit. It yeah, just, I was wondering if you had. Yeah, now that I have a PC that can run it, and I just, it'd be more, it'd, it'd be a better time if it was more organized. I just don't like running around random. Like I've seen, like I've talked, Steve was really big into it um, earlier, and he, he and I would talk about it, and I've watched some videos of like, organized you know like groups playing that where they have squads and different squad leaders kind of like what i was trying to do with battlefield a while back and yeah that and would be fun you're like but, i wish i was part of that instead exactly. i'll just be over here wandering around trying to find a thing that's spawn a on this uh, random guy just stealing vehicles ATV. yeah exactly so then i can get to the battle oh the battle's already over well never mind the sun. and i get sniped exactly uh this next piece isn't like huge newsworthy but i remember we both were kind of interested in this game and excited for it so when i saw this i was like oh this is interesting uh fahrenheit indigo prophecy remastered is apparently a thing yes Uh, um of course it it has appeared on amazon and it looks like uh listed for release on three days on the 29th all the in-game textures have been meticulously recreated in hd for mobile and desktop and you'll be able to switch to old and new on the fly just like you could do in most remastered games like you know monkey island and you'll be able to do in the new grim fandango which i can't wait for that to come out yes um yeah not nothing else to say here i mean fahrenheit that was like the first big thing where it was like a choose your own adventure as a game and you had all your quick time events and it was just focused on the story more than the gameplay experience and yeah i, I remember it was fun just for us to compare notes of like what different endings we all got and how different they were and just that strange sex scene when you're dead but you're alive <laughs> gosh that really left a sex. mark on it's you just, didn't it because i don't remember it's just, that it's just bizarre why would you have him die and come back to life and then he has sex with this woman it just doesn't make it's just weird i don't see anything wrong with that scenario i um, mean this whole game was weird it was uh quick time event by the way if you don't know what that is is like a button like button Simon says basically it'll say press up and then you press up and if you don't do it fast enough you die or whatever you have to um, rapidly press this button or move the mouse in this yeah, position or, or press the trigger well they probably I don't think they had triggers when that came out um quant that this was uh one of the like the first games that quantic dream developed which they also did PlayStation 3's Heavy Rain and Beyond Two Souls and I guess they're working on another PlayStation 4 title. But yeah, it was very like story driven. It was one of the first games that I remember anyway that had a lot of narrative that was basically just based off from character interactions right. and stuff. So interesting to remaster. And oh, should we uh, 
just for shits and giggles, let's look at uh, let's do our Shadowrun Returns uh, Hong Kong Kickstarter update since Ooh. we like to talk about that. With 21 days to go, it's going to be kind of sketchy if they're going to hit that goal of 100,000. They only have $704,300 at <laughs> present. Uh, I know they added a new stretch goal. So they've hit the 700,000, which revamped the Matrix. So they've hit all their stretch goals at this point. Now they have a new goal. If they hit a million, they'll add a new mini campaign. So it'd be a hmm. four to five hour Shadows of Hong Kong mini campaign. You'll import your high karma Hong Kong character, and it'll be free to backers at the $15 reward level and above. I got to back so, that. Yeah, I need to uh, pick up Dragonfall, and then I want to back this as well. So probably with my a little bit of my bonus money that I want to spend on myself that I won't use for our sectional. I will do that because I, I don't know. If, I, I almost want to, I really would just want to play it <clears throat> try playing it on my phone just to see what it's like. But I have a feeling I, I would, will want to not miss out on the DLC stuff. I mean the UGC, I should say. So yes, I agree. Uh, general run. Love it. Live <laughs> it. Do it. Buy it. Get it. I should let you read all the novels. I'm slowly Dude, amassing I can't, even, I can't even read Game of Thrones. Don't even give well, me these are not. Read. These are like two chapters of Game of Thrones. So. Uh, and anyway. uh, we have a little video here for Homeworld Remastered. I don't yeah. even remember. What was Homeworld? I'm unfamiliar with Homeworld. Homeworld was, um, that was one of the games that I never really got on the, like I never really bought into it right away when it first came out so by the time i was interested in in it it was already been like four years past and you can't play games that are old that'd be stupid so it's a um one of the best space strategy war games that is out there one of the Mm. well that was out there at the time i think it came out in gosh I don't even dare guess maybe 1999 2002 somewhere in there uh and it, it just had really realistic 3D uh, space battles where, you know, you could move X, Y, Z. So uh, it was really oh, good. It looks, it looks good in this video. Yeah, it was really it, it looked good even back then. Um, but, you know, now we have such high resolution textures and everything that it'd probably be laughable. But yeah. I don't um, know if it's similar to Eve at all. I'm not I know Steve's big into Eve, but I've been. Well, in this, I know you you command like giant ships along with like little fleets and like a bunch of different ships. It's not like it's not like free space where you you drive like one ship or whatever. This is like RTS, basically. But I think it's more focused on battles and less on um, getting um, components, uh, elements like in Starcraft. What am I thinking? Resources. Yes, that's a word. So. I don't know. Good job. I, Good job on using your words. I know. I broke out the thesaurus, the dictionary. I got it all open. But yeah, I, I'm interested in possibly uh, checking it out now since it's been remastered. Just like like we were talking about for people who, who missed the train. Yes, we're always missing that. It's true. The only train I can ever not miss is the pain train. Uh, <laughs> I don't even. That sounded uh, really bad. Yeah. Let's just let's just move on. Let's blast that. through this movie news here. All right. Pachoo. 
Ain't It Cool has X-Men Apocalypse casting news. Storm, Jean Grey, and Cyclops have been cast, apparently. Hmm. Uh, as this one's going to take place in, like, the 80s. So we're looking at, you know, younger versions of the mutants we all know and love. So okay. first we'll have, uh, looks like, and- Alexandra Ship. Um, looks like she was in the Drumline sequel. As Aurora Monroe, also known as Storm. I'm not familiar with her. Probably the, people, nope. the actors most people know is Sophia Turner, who plays Sansa Stark in Game of Thrones, will be Jean Grey. Hmm, and then we sense. have uh, Ty Sheridan, who we will know if you had watched and listened to our Netflixation review of Mud. Yes. As Scott Summers, Cyclops. Ah, so, and that's very good, uh, due very good. to hit on May 27th, 2016. Just give it to Marvel Studios. Save your trouble. Just give it to Marvel Studios. No like Spider Man needs to go to. It's true. Uh, we have uh, interesting. For, I will put this as alert now that people do not want to be spoiled about the Walking Dead spinoff. We are going to talk about the pilot script. Information has leaked, so if you do not want to know about that, please skip over this section of the podcast, and you can join us later. Now, the the spinoff is completely unrelated to anything that's happening in the regular show right yes it's going to take well it's it's been said that it's going to take place in los angeles and it's going to take a place um same you know apocalyptic event just different area okay so same timeline basically yeah and and concurrently yes so like this this is from bleeding cool kind of reported on this originally it's the pilot's called fear the walking dead and it's uh it basically says how this has been called codename cold cobalt how it's going to fit into the universe and storyline of the overall, of Walking Dead. So specifically, the pilot is going to open on a time when the infection is just starting to get off the ground. So people really don't know what's going on yet and what few signs they've seen of dead rising and eating the living. They just you know, aren't going to believe and refuse to like admit that that's existing. And, of course, the, and they say the government's there to just kind of quell the hysteria, deny anything's going on. Um, it's going to follow a family family of two teachers who have two older teens and the pilot is to include drugs, illness, and self-harm as topics. So mm. what I like about this and what I've always wanted to see in zombie movies is like that initial uh, society just breaking down and falling into madness. Like seeing those first few infected and just watching it yeah. spread rampant. That's that's what I liked about the movie Contagion. It wasn't really a zombie movie, but it was kind of like what would happen if when a virus that we have no idea how to combat basically starts infecting everyone do you uh, did you ever see that movie right contagion uh, i don't know if i did or not actually okay yeah it's it's pretty good as far as uh the bleak um kind of apocalyptic feel before everything went to shit so hmm very interesting i'll have to, I'll have to check that out and once again, after we said we're done with technology, tech news roars back into the Flux Deposed podcast. With a uh, real quick here, I am going to recap what Lifehacker says are the best Windows 10 and Xbox updates from the Microsoft event from last week. So we have Windows 10 will be free for a year. Uh, you'll be able to upgrade if you're an existing Windows 7 or 8 user, you'll be able to upgrade within the first year to Windows 10. Why did they skip 9? <laughs> nobody knows so that's the thing though is I'm like, surprised they didn't call it Windows that, X <laughs> does that mean for the first year it's free or just within that year you have to I don't know 
I don't know if my copy uh, of Windows will even upgrade because it's not exactly legitimate. You don't have to. No. They're going to come to your door and shoot you in the head now. That's what they do. That's okay. That's how they get you. They bring it. Uh, it's going to be a continuous experience across desktops, tablets, and phones. This is cool how it's, you know, it's all, it's the same OS on all of these things. Mm-hmm. And especially when you're using something like Surface, it'll be on the fly, recognize, you know, if you're using tablet mode or if you're docked, oh, I'm going to use, you know, desktop mode. You know, it's a seamless experience. Uh, Cortana, I guess she's bringing a powerful voice assistant to the desktop. whoop de doo Way to go, Cortana. Cortana uh, is going to be in my computer? Universal apps will work across all devices. Project Spartan, Internet Explorer, Reborn. Good Lord, could they reference Halo anymore? I was anymore? just going to say, is, does it play Halo, though? That's what I need Internet to know. Explorer, no thanks. Xbox games can stream to Windows 10 machines played with PC yes. players. That's we'll kind of a, interesting. We'll have an improved suite of built-in apps, and uh, Xbox gets a Windows 10 app on the desktop. I'm really... Oh, go ahead. And as Lucas said, Xbox games can stream to Windows 10 machines and play with PC players. I'm really afraid that they're going to go to the pay per month or pay per year That's what a lot of... I've read... I saw some article where it says Microsoft was quoted as it will not be subscription-based, but who knows? Adobe has done that with their their, uh, creative um, Adobe suites. And that's just like... It doesn't sound like a lot, but when you think of it, like thirty dollars a month to to have the creative right. suite, you're just like, good god, oh, that is so much money a month. Yeah, so I, that that's cool because I, I love like that's the dilemma I'm having is when we move with a couch down here in the basement. If I'm going to put my um, my Wii U down here as well, but I love having it upstairs in the living room because then if Jess wants to watch something, I can just pull out the gamepad and hang out with her and still play something and. That's what will be nice about this streaming. You know, if someone's on the Xbox, you know, someone's using the TV and you want to play Xbox, then you can stream it to your PC. And I think I, I've heard bits and pieces, or maybe it's just rumors that it's going to work the other way too, is you'll be able to stream your PC games to your three, your Xbox One and play them. What? So that'd be cool. But so they really should just get right on board with that and just say, you know, you want a Steam machine? There you go. <laughs> nice. Yeah, they should. I agree. But they won't because that makes too much sense. I the biggest question I have is will there be a start button though because oh, you know there was that man. there was that big thing about I haven't even upgraded to 8 and I don't think I will probably. No, 8 so, I use I use 8 at work and it's much better now than what it uh, it was when it first launched, but uh I would just wait for 10. I will say that Microsoft, I've always felt, has a really good compared to like PlayStation 4. Wii U is a little bit better now, but their their interfaces as far as like I remember PS3, they didn't even have they don't have party chat or they didn't have party chat when you were uh getting online no, to play games and not stuff. Right away they didn't know. Yeah, so like they were really ahead of the game as far as uh, Windows goes. What about the blades? How were your thoughts on the Xbox blades? The blades were great. They were extra sharp, and uh, you know, when do, Microsoft is all about blades and tiles. That's all. I mean, need <laughs> I say more? Gotta oh, have them man. tiles. Yeah, you can customize them any way you want. Get those tiles. <laughs> you gotta want. You gotta want those tiles. Oh man, babies, twice in a row. 
it, well, not really in a row, but twice in one episode, at least. Uh, well, only can really salvage this by maybe doing some Palpatine later on. Oh, God. If you're, if you're lucky, if you finish <laughs> if your you dinner. If you kids behave yourselves and listen to this podcast, <laughs> good. We'll let you hear a Palpatine bad impression. impression. I think everyone left about three sentences ago. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. They re- well, they're just going to do their thing where they slowly kind of eke out of a well, That's a why story. we're, we're going to move ahead with the musical break. Excellent. That only Overclocked Remix can provide for all of us. Hmm. In honor of uh, the That's Entertaining podcast with their mega Final Fantasy VII episode released this yes. weekend, I thought, why not play some Final Fantasy VII music on the show? Do it. So I went with a selection from the uh, Oh Costa del Sol is the song because it's it's summery, it's it's resortful, and we're here in winter, so why not feel? We uh, yeah, we need to be lightened up. So we have uh, the song is Costa del Sol, and from Final Fantasy VII, released on the Sony PlayStation back in good old 1997. This is a remix by Red Tailed Fox. Um, it is called. Suco de Melancia, and it's uh, actually featured on the album Final Fantasy VII Voices of the Lightstream. Uh, the original composition was made by Nobuo Umatsu, and yeah, so this is Suco de Melancia by Red Tailed Fox.
I love teachers. I love what you do, what you stand for. You guys are the real heroes. I asked to meet with you because you come highly recommended as the best sub on the call sheet. That's a somewhat dubious endorsement. I'm Mr. Barth. For those of you who haven't heard, this is English 11A. I understand you're angry. I used to be very angry, too. So what's your story? My story? What happened to you? Between you and me, you look like you got more problems than me. I watch you around school. You always seem so sad. Maybe you need someone to talk to. A faceless man in an empty room. Is that how you see me, Meredith? Do you ever think about who your teachers were on the outside? So this week's Netflixation was Detachment, the uh, indie drama that Netflix described as this. After a disenfranchised substitute teacher is assigned to an inner city school, he finds himself becoming involved with his students and colleagues. Uh, I feel like that's a pretty vague uh, description of what happens, but um, that seems to be the case whenever Netflix describes hmm. anything. So I cannot comment on this because I did not watch the movie yes this is true I, you know i a lot of time and i it's really weird because you think oh you guys have a whole week to watch this movie why don't you do it but i feel like during the rest of the week you're like oh i got i got all week to watch this you kind of push it off you push it off and you're like i want to watch other things and then the weekends are like okay i'm gonna gotta get in the mood <laughs> to watch it but saturday i was completely busy sunday i was I was busy and I, I just didn't have a chance to rush it in. And I was like, crap, I'm just, I'm just not, it's not going to happen this week. It just wasn't going to allow. So we're going to allow, we're going to have this time be filled with Lucas selling me why I should or should not watch this film. All right. Well, that's a tall order. I, I think it was a good decision because when I watch this movie, this is definitely something that I don't think you could or should rush. Uh, but I don't know if you're better for not watching it or not. I'm not, I have mixed feelings mm. about this movie, so let, uh, let's let's get into it. I'll, I'll outline a little bit of it for you. It's probably going to at least spoil most of the movie for you, but there's That's definitely right. still there's still some stuff in there that I don't talk about. Much I, like, I still hope to watch the Dodeca. Yeah, and then Thirteen Assassins at some point. So Jeez. those are the other Netflix stations I haven't watched. That's true. You have them on a list. And they bring you great shame. But anyways, let's talk about detachment. Um, so what basically what happens is with every movie, we meet our main character named Henry. Uh, he's a substitute teacher 
who uh, takes, as the description said, he takes up this job at an inner city school. It's kind of hinted on that he is one of these guys who who is a substitute teacher because he likes to not be attached to any one place. You know what I think and, of that? What? Wow. <laughs> what a douche. Uh, he's a, he's a weird dude. He's a, he's kind of, I didn't, I don't want to say he's very serious, but he's, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. It's hard to describe. He's, he's, he's had some tragedy in his life. He's seen some shit, man. Is so, he broken? Uh, a little bit. Yeah. I'd say, okay. uh, so he, uh, he starts connecting with these students that he starts teaching who, uh, are apparently all horrible in this movie, but I'll get like, to that when in a you second. say connecting, like, okay, you're going to expand on that. Well, I'll connect with or I'll uh, expand on the the horrible part. Oh, okay, so when like I say connecting con- like on a uh, like a I am interested in your lives level or like uh, it crosses that line student teacher relationship. No, it's 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 a little bit. It's kind of connecting is a loose term. It's more like uh, he he go he goes into the he goes into the classroom and one of the kids is giving him guff about well pretty much all of them are because they don't want to pay attention to him they they could care less and he basically is able to get them to kind of shut up and listen over time by respecting them and appealing to their intellect instead of just getting frustrated with them and telling them to to leave he does tell one student to leave but he only has one rule and that's that if you don't want to be there then you can leave and the kids like and this one kid who had said like a really mean comment to this other kid was was said really i can just leave and he's like yeah go ahead he's like well where should i go and he's like i don't care just get out and pushes him out basically so he's kind of a no-nonsense kind of guy but not in a gruff like mil- militaristic kind of way it's more like like i'm trying to teach you something and if you don't want to sit down and learn that's fine but i also don't want you here distracting everybody else and being uh, an okay. asshole okay. so um and kind of in in that league he he starts relating to a, a girl named meredith in his class who's like a target for bullying she's overweight and he never it's not like you were saying, it's never like over the line or anything like that. Uh, so on his way home, he uh, he takes the bus, he takes the city bus and on his way home, uh, he meets a young prostitute on the bus named Erica. He tries to kind of avoid her, but she ends up following him. So she bugs him into uh, kind of talking to him and eventually he breaks down after a couple of like seeing her a couple of different times. He. Uh, eventually says hey why don't you just come stay at my house or at my apartment just so that you just get her off the street basically and get her some food and stuff um which he doesn't also doesn't as far as i'm concerned doesn't cross the line on that either uh because she's like 15 or something like that okay uh along with all of this he's also visiting his grandfather who live who's in an assisted living um uh place and uh, this guy suffers from like dementia or something like that because he's he's constantly mistaking his um, his uh, grandson for his mom. Like he keeps having these weird recurring uh, visions of his daughter or Henry's mother, and it's kind of revealed throughout these weird little visions that 
Henry has, as well as his grandfather, that she killed herself when Henry was young, uh, like five or six or something like that. So he's also visiting his grandfather who's dying. Uh, throughout the film, we also see kind of like the lot. There are spots where you see the lives of other characters and students from in the film, mostly from the faculty's standpoint, though. Lucy Liu is actually in it and she plays the guidance counselor. OK, but she's only in it in kind of a non-connected sort of way, just to show kind of more flavor of the world that this is. Uh, it's all very bleak. <laughs> it's all very grim stuff. Uh, if you've seen, the, if you did watch the movie, you'll know what I'm talking about. It's kind of hard to explain, but or give examples for. Um, gotcha. So, so Henry begins bonding with another teacher at the school who's named Sarah, and um, eventually there's a scene where she finds Sarah finds Henry speaking with Meredith, and Meredith, the the uh, student, is in distress because. She is very depressed. She's an artistic person who is constantly being bullied and her creative outlet isn't enough. And uh, she's also being bullied by her father, which was a really weird. It was a you don't see her father. It was kind of a cheesy scene, in my opinion, a little bit uh, dumb, like a little strong handed on on all of that. But uh, I'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, but she needs to talk to someone, Meredith. Uh and Henry obliges, you know, he wants to be there to help students who are having issues and, and whatnot. And he said, he even says, do you want to go talk to the student counselor? But she doesn't. The problem is just she's kind of developed a crush on Henry. So she kind of wants it to be between them two. But I think she also kind of knew that she doesn't necessarily want it to be romantic or anything, but she just felt more comforted by him because he understood her a little bit more. And since he's very poetic and everything and she's artistic, she kind of is appealed to that. Um, well, Sarah sees this and Henry blows up on her. He's, he's trying to do the right thing and he's gets pretty much pissed off because Sarah perceives him or he thinks that Sarah perceived him as kind of being uh pervert basically mm, because she okay. tries to she's trying to hug she's trying to hug meredith is trying to hug henry and he's like you know we can't do this so he kind of pulls away a little bit but she's like no don't pull away from me i'm just so sad and i need someone to talk to you know like what would you do in that situation that's horrible so i don't think he was crossing the line it's just like he knew how it would look so it was just frustrating for him anyways, because she came in at like the worst time and Meredith is like, this is all ruined because she's embarrassed or whatever. So, she <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> and then I Stop choke and dying. die apparently. I'm <laughs> just going to take a drink of water here. All right. So she leaves because she's embarrassed and it looks, let's just say it looks bad, especially from Sarah's point of view. Um, It's, I think it's not, implied explicitly but i think it is that interaction that dis that makes henry kind of decide that when he gets back to the apartment um he does he commits erica to a foster home he realizes i think how that must look if someone were to discover that he was basically sheltering this underage girl right so he's like he has to sit down and their their relationship is developed throughout the movie uh, at, to this point anyway so it's very kind of heart-wrenching to see her pleading with him to not give her over to the foster um 
the foster association or whatever. So it's, it's very like, it's very interesting because I don't know if he did the right thing or the, the wrong thing. It's hard to say, but I'll get to that in, mm. in a little bit too. Um, so he gives Erica over and eventually, you know, this was only, he, he was only going to be uh, substituting for like a month or something like that. So it's the last day of Henry's assignment. Um, Meredith comes to school, but she wasn't in class. So when, you know, school gets out and everything, he's, or it's like lunchtime or something. They have kind of like this common outside area where she has set up a table to sell cupcakes. And um, so he, Henry kind of goes to talk to her or whatever. And she has this, they're all happy faces, happy face cupcakes. And then she has, um, Oh, that sounds great. Yeah. She has made one for herself. That's a sad face. And he's like, Oh, I like that one. I'll buy that one. And she's like, no, I made this one for myself. That one's for me, but you can have this one. He's like, Oh, okay, whatever. And you know, they speak and he's like, you know, you know, this is my last day or whatever. So I'm glad that you, you know, showed up or whatever. And she kind of is cold to him and kind of off putting. So he leaves and she eats the cupcake there. And that kind of shows that she had poisoned that particular one uh, and had planned on killing herself. And she does. Yikes. So the movie kind of ends on a weird note. Uh, It shows Henry still teaching at in that classroom and he's talking about the fall of the house of usher and he starts to read through it and there's all this weird imagery of like empty empty school hallways with like leaves blowing through and um there's an office of the principal and it looks like nobody's been there for a long time and and it comes back to him reading the book as he's sitting on his desk to an empty classroom full of like leaves and stuff so it's very like artsy fartsy as you would say at the end and i think a lot of that has to do with the name of the movie and pretty much the emotions that have been expressed by him throughout the entire film it's not as artsy fart it it's not as artsy fartsy up until that point but there are some things that i'll get to that uh either liked or disliked or or whatever so since i know that you haven't watched it i won't ask you if there's anything that you need to <laughs> yeah, add so right. i'll just get right into uh, no. it no no there isn't <laughs> um so from what i like from the story perspective uh loosely uh i i did appreciate that it's this story is filled with grim realities. Uh, it is very depressing. I, and I, I texted you that when I was watching it. I, yes. There, there's some, there are reasons as to why that is the way that it is, and I'll get to that in a second. But just know that if you watch this and you are feeling depressed already, this movie is not going to help you at all. Um, oh, perfect. It also it watches almost like a documentary. There's a lot of points where he's talking to a camera like it is a documentary, but it's also filmed in a way that makes it seem like a documentary. So I kind of like that from that perspective, at least. Um, Many of the characters felt real. A lot of the kids that went to the school, they're not really characters, so to speak. They're more like background because a lot of them you don't really get to know that well but there are parts where they're interacting with other faculty where it didn't 
feel like they were acting at all. It seemed like, cause they were being little punks. It almost reminded me of that stupid show scared straight where they go to prison. All oh, these yes. kids go to prison yeah. to see what it's like. They acted like that a lot, a lot of the time. So it was like, holy crap, are these kids acting or did they just really go film in a school and said, all right, you're getting, you know, yelled at by your principal. How would you react? And then just have them go at it. Um, so that made it feel very real. Um, and there really are some harsh kind of emotional moments in the film. And like I was talking about, it doesn't really tell you whether or not, or at least it's not clear whether or not some good decisions or bad decisions were made. It just kind of happens. And then the characters kind of deal with it. And I, I liked that. I talked about how Henry decided to um, send Erica to a foster home. Well, you you get to see the extent of their relationship. And as far as I'm concerned, nothing was cross the line or anything there is kind of one weird part that i felt like uh if you've seen the movie you know what i'm talking about i kind of felt like it was a little overboard as far as him taking care of her he kind mm -hmm. of helps her with something that needed to be taken care of uh but he didn't necessarily need to do it he could have just sent her to the bathroom and had her oh do it. oh boy yeah, and you don't get to you don't see anything. It's it's just a little bit awkward until you realize what's happening. So I don't know that kind of that kind of stuff was weird. But overall, like who's to say, you know, technically, yes, he should have probably sent her to a foster home. But if what he's doing is good for her and there's clear boundaries and everything, some people would argue that it's better for him to act like a surrogate parent and maybe even a doctor or whatever, because she clearly doesn't have family. So, you know, who's to say there aren't really any right answers. It's just how life works. You know, there's just things that happen. And then the consequences of those things. Um, I'm not saying that murder is a consequence and it's not good or bad, but you know what I'm trying to say? There's things that, don't there's always gray areas and th this film fall falls into a lot of those gray areas um huh. there's also um some brief flashes of henry's memories as well as um the grandpa's memories that happened during the film and at first you're kind of like what the hell is going on because you haven't watched it so you don't know what what is happening but a lot of the time they're used to give context as to the reasonings why henry is acting the way that he's acting like when he blows up on sarah the the teacher when she comes in and thinks that he's being uh a weirdo yeah well he's having flashbacks to his mom because she i'm she the actress looks like the actress who plays his mom in those flashbacks and i think that he has a lot of like issues underlying from that from that whole experience and it kind of tells you, oh, that's kind of why he's acting that way is because he's thinking of this and it's causing him to to react in this way, basically. So those are a lot of things that I liked about the movie that that um, kind of are basically about the story or the characters or whatever. Mm -hmm. I can't say there were a lot of technicals and I'll get to that in my dislikes and you'll see why. Um, but, okay. but for story story, some of the story things that I had a problem with, um, almost everything was negative. Uh, every kid felt like a disrespecting little serial killer. There's even a kid in there. I kind of don't want to spoil it for you, but it's not really a big part of the movie. So it's not really spoiling the story. There's a part where 
for some reason, as kind of one of those things I talked about that show you about the world, there's this kid who finds a cat in the schoolyard and he picks it up and turns away from the camera and it shows a hammer in his back pocket. And this kid goes to the gym with his friends and thankfully they showed the cat was in his backpack and he was basically um, hitting the cat with the hammer and uh, being a dick towards it, basically, you know, being a little serial killer. And I just kind of got the feeling that it was a little too it was a little too much that it actually wasn't like overdone. I'm not saying the scene was overdone. It's just the fact that like in most films, if you're going to have things that happen that are sad or negative, you can't just keep dumping like one horrible thing after the other after the other. And I mean, at some point you have to come back up for air and you know get over the emotions that you just felt during that scene so after a while it kind of gets a little tiring to see every kid is disrespectful and horrible and all the adults are assholes and and don't respect one another at all and the entire world is just depressing and sad like every person can't be like that and sometimes it's subtle and other times it's overdone like the cat thing so it just got old after a while um there also seems to be kind of an agenda on the part of the writer as to like the parents of these kids there's a part in the there's a part in the uh film where they have parent night and not one parent comes in the entire school which seems ridiculous to me and then all the faculty go on this yeah it's a little a little bit extreme yeah they they all go on this um dramatic um, speech where they're talking about how remember the good old days when we had two parents at one time and there were parents lining up in the wings of the school to to talk to the teachers about their kids development i was like that that's just ridiculous that not one parent would show up to their kids um parent teacher conference so i don't know there there was a lot of little things like that throughout the movie that kind of were i just i don't know that what world is this writer living in where they think that because it's definitely blaming the parents from that perspective. So I'm just like, man, what is going on there? Like, come on, not every parent is. Well, yeah, it's all their fault, man. Yeah. Every parent isn't, you know, not paying attention to their kid. Um, there's also starting at the beginning of the movie and throughout the movie, there are images of chalkboard drawings that are trying to enforce the point of something that was already said in in the script basically um or like using imagery as a way to to enforce the point like a a tree losing its leaves or something like that i kind of felt like it wasn't even needed like i already got the point through the story i don't need to feel even sadder with this weird imagery that (laughs) it just didn't feel like it was necessary I, i feel like it it kind of makes the writer or the director, whoever decided to do that, probably the director, like they didn't feel confident in their story. So I don't know. Sometimes it's an artistic choice, but in this case, I felt like more than anything, it just made it seem like they weren't confident. Um, Now to get to the technicals of what I disliked, this is a really good example of a film that was done by professionals. As far as I know, that came together looking like a student film. 
uh the sim- cinematography especially was student film quality uh the editing between the shots was really jarring a lot of the time you'd go from like a, a two stop a two shot static um framing of two characters from like the waist up and then it would it would switch to a close-up of a character's face which isn't necessarily the problem unless it's shot from a different angle than you were expecting um, a lot of the time, if you're seeing two characters from the side, you would expect the close-up to come from the side or, at the very least, be over the shoulder of the other character so that you have a sense of where you are in the room. Uh, you have landmarks kind of like, oh, I know where this person was in relation to the room. So when we switch to this other angle, I still know where I'm, I'm standing as the camera so that I, I have a sense of where I am. But a lot of that got lost when you just switch to this character who's you're looking at from the side in a two shot and then you switch to their face from the front and they're standing huh. in front of a white wall so you're like where are oh, you wow. in the room yeah, that's weird <laughs> it's just like it just looks visually jarring and i i feel like they didn't really think about the way that they transition into each other um uh, i noticed a lot of that in the beginning of the movie especially um and this movie was actually shot on film. I looked it up on IMD, IMDb and it was shot on Fuji stock 35 millimeter. And it was very low quality. There was a lot of noise, a lot of film grain to the, the picture. But there was also something I haven't seen for a really long time. Um, you know how you get the scratches that almost look like hair, like little yep. hairs on, sure the, on the film? There, there was a couple of moments of that as well. So just a lot of noise, a lot of weird... It could have even been the way that they, when they shoot on film, they have to transport it digitally into the the computer for editing. And so it could have been something to do with that as well. But I don't know. It just was really distracting. So you put all those things together and it, I mean, I can give, I can give some of it leeway because they were shooting it as kind of a documentary feel. But after a while, you just kind of, it, it just looks jarring and everything kind of comes together in a really weird, bizarre way that doesn't, doesn't uh, help it at all. So, uh. so yeah, it, it wasn't enough to ruin the film, but it definitely was a good example of like, it impacted I, I, it. yeah, I felt like it was something that I would have made right after getting out of film school. Like had I, if I had those resources, so um, take it for what it's worth. So was it entertaining and fun? Uh, it was entertaining. I, I will I will say that it's kind of like watching a train wreck. You know how how much worse can it get? There are good parts, but it's mostly bleak and kind of sad. And for that part alone, if you kind of are into those stories where nothing goes well, then this will kind of float your boat, I guess. So in that sense, it was entertaining. Definitely not fun though. There there's nothing really fun about this movie. It is a grim harsh reality probably even more so more like hyper reality i guess to whatever this writer's world is in this movie it's very dark so um netflix's netflix's guess for me was a 5 and like i said i was very torn i there were parts i definitely liked about the movie it it was emotional for me i i got misty eyed i will, i will say that there are some sad parts in there and there are some really overdone parts that, that I were kind I was kind of like almost, almost like 
bummed about because I was like, oh gosh, you guys were you you built me up so well, and then you give me a scene where it's like just so poorly done that I it just kind of brought me back the other way. So I I decided to just give it a three and call it good because it is worth watching, but there are some technical difficulties in story uh, aspects that I didn't like. But uh, at the same time, I did like some things. So I'm just going to call it even and give it a three. So, uh, but I definitely see how some people could either like it more or hate it. It's definitely a movie that some people will have strong opinions about. Probably most people. So, so three stars for detachment. And I do recommend that you watch it. Um, Just don't watch it when you're feeling depressed. Uh, So I can never watch it then. Yeah. Well, Jason, I just want you to know if you ever need someone to talk to, I'm I'm always here for you. Um, Thank you. No matter what's happening in your life, thank just, you. Just and that goes for anybody. I will listen to anybody's plights if you need someone to talk to. Except for Mike, I've already heard all his plights. I don't need to. I don't need to hear. <laughs> you anymore. already know them all. I do. We're just retreading old ground at that point. Um, so let's talk about let's talk about next week, shall we? Um, let us. I was very surprised. <laughs> cabbage. I was very surprised to dad jokes. See, I know. Uh, I'm great at them. I was very surprised to see this on that on Netflix so soon. And that alone will probably give it away. But uh, I had thought about it and I said, you know what? Why not? It's very topical. We we've talked about it in like the past five shows or so. Uh, the interview made its way to Netflix, which I found very surprising considering it was on sale like the very next day it was supposed to come out on Google Play and stuff like that. And now suddenly it's free. Well, free if you already have a Netflix account. Free-ish. Free-ish, yes, exactly. So next week's Netflixation is the interview, the action and adventure comedy that Netflix describes as this. When a TV host and his producer score an interview with Kim Jong-un, who's a fan of their show, the CIA asks them to assassinate the dictator. You may know James Franco from This Is The End, 127 Hours, which I thought he did pretty good in, in that movie, by the way. Uh, Seth Rogen from also This Is The This Is The End. They can't not be in a film together, it seems like. I think Seth Rogen was probably in one, 127 Hours in there somewhere. Uh, and Neighbors, which was a pretty good movie, I thought. And Lizzie Kaplan from apparently The New Girl, which I've never seen, and Cloverfield. Um and this is directed by Evan Goldberg, who is also directing Console Wars. So, little fun fact there ah. for you. And, of course, Seth Rogen had some hand in it as well. Netflix's guess for me was a 4.5. And I cannot promise that any angry Koreans will not come and yell at you for watching this movie. Hopefully so. I can make it past all the, the uh, bro... Toilet humor. <laughs> yes. I'm sure at some point I am not expecting this to be a good movie, just to make it clear. Uh Netflix's guess is a four point five, which is really high, I would I would suspect. And I'm guessing at some point they will probably smoke weed because they have to smoke <laughs> they weed. Have to. Um so yeah. Interesting. I have, we'll a, I have a feeling goes. I will not be watching uh this Netflixation movie. Really? You can't even stomach it, huh? Last week's. I just, it doesn't sound oh, oh, okay. last week's, this week's, this what you talked about. I, I don't, it just doesn't sound like the anything to it. Yeah. It, it's rough. It definitely like is rough. I feel like I'll have to be in the right place to watch that. 
You would definitely have to be, it's not artsy fartsy. It, it is a little, there are touches of it. There are drops of it, but more than anything, it is serious and something that you would have to watch and pay attention to. So or, or, otherwise, but there is something to get out of it. It's just, do you want to spend the time to, to sit down and watch it? So take gotcha. it for what it's worth. Ah, interesting. Well, how about we change directions completely and we'll answer okay. a bunch of questions on the community grab bag. I am excited. I love bun- bunches of questions. Let's start bunches off of with last week. We had a little contest, so to speak, for a free PSN code. Let's read the winning submission, Ooh, shall we? Who's the lucky winner? Oh, don't you worry, Bob. <laughs> Hi, guys. It's been a while since I emailed, so I thought I would approach this naughty dilemma. And also, because Ooh. I'm fickle, and there is a PSN movie up for grabs. I grew up loving Nintendo, but their lack of innovation since the Wii, in my opinion, is what hurts them. Maybe it's a language barrier problem also? Casual gamers are totally confused, sometimes the hardcore gamers as well. I don't doubt that, for example... Mario Kart 8 is awesome. It's just that any other entertainment media with a number over 5 is usually pretty dried up. Police Academy (laughs) 9, anyone? Nintendo Nintendo needs to shake things up with naming conventions. I realize they're trying to build brand loyalty, but people are baffled at this stage. Would 3DS XL 2015 be clearer? Would 3DS XL Hyper Alpha Turbo 2 work? These guys need to rethink, plus a pile of focus groups. Well, I better stop rambling and let you guys continue with your day. Any requests if I do some Twitch streaming, Wolfenstein, GTA, Far Cry 4, see on the Twitters. And our winner, because he's a swell guy, and because he's the only submission we received, Ooh. is Graham. Congratulations, Graham. You defaulted. I will, I will DM you and hook you up with this code. Nice. You literally could have wrote anything and you still would have won. Yes. I'm now happy that, we got one, though. That was in response to what what uh, uh nintendo. Why can't nintendo name things properly ah yes i think that that is very i mean not only for the people who are gamers but also for parents who are like why would i buy a wii u oh when yeah have a wii? even guys i know with that are tech savvy were confused by the whole wii u thing and then if you talk about like the club nintendo and ddp stuff like i talked about earlier that's even more confusing yeah you know? diamond gunner <laughs> i would uh I definitely would get down to watch some Far Cry 4. I've been looking forward to playing that game, but it's not something I'm going to... Yeah. I, I would say Far Cry 4 or Wolfenstein because I don't care about GTA anymore. And you've played Wolfenstein, but I have not. And I love Wolfenstein. And so Far Cry 4, well, I guess, is our, our mutual ground. So we'll go Far Cry 4? Well, they do. I was very interested to see that they have, like, customizable map. Like, you can have... They have a map editor where you can make maps for people. And uh, a lot of YouTubers I've seen have been playing those maps. So not only, you know, the original story that came with the game, but also there's a lot of fun to be had for people making, like, challenge maps and stuff like that. So Mm, it's always something new, Jason. Yeah, it is. And uh, thanks, Graham. Thank you for submitting it. Congratulations. Thank you. No, I it's a wordsmith, by the way. Too. You are. Let's dig into the questions that we received this week, uh, starting out with Dante Johnson at Dante LeRae. I, I, I checked out his podcast uh, this week. It's hilariously uh, offensive and funny stuff. So, Is it called Dante's Inferno? <laughs> <laughs> no, it is the Trat cast. They really are. The living it, end? I can't remember what's the T stand for. They really are terrible, oh. I think. Oh, ah, I see. I like it. Something like that. I'm sorry, Dante. I, mur- I murdered your 
podcast name. At least I know it's Trat. So anyway, uh, should games move towards a unified platform or is having the competition of multiple platforms better for gaming innovation or would having a unified platform be better for experimentation and really getting the most innovative games out? I always personally feel that competition breeds innovation. So I like I like having uh, multiple platforms. Like I, I've wondered this myself too. I like would it be best if we had one all just one single you know console, and everyone could play things on. But then I worry that your games would suffer because there wouldn't be. I don't know unless it, unless it was more like the PC realm where you could customize things. You know, you'd have yeah. this console box and you could upgrade it as you see fit, but. Well, I don't, I don't know. I think the the logistics of this even happening, obviously, like in a perfect world, we could all play the game that we wanted on the machine that we wanted to play it on. But the idea that a Microsoft or a PlayStation could control my entire gaming experience from the console is a little scary to me. That's a good point, too. Um, but... I think it would be good for gamers because, like I said, I mean, you would be able to... I think what's more important is the ability to have games on multiple platforms. It just won't ever happen because you would never see Mario playing on a PC or anything like that. So, like you said, I think it breeds innovation. I do feel like a lot of the times the... Like the the killer app that a lot of these multiple platforms have generally are, are playing it safe most of the time. Yes. Um, so that is that I think that does kind of happen because of the multiple platform, uh, idea. Uh, but you know, you always, you still get those little gems that no one's ever heard of. And then five years down the road, people are like, Oh, did you ever play that? Yeah, it was great. You know, uh, like shadows of the Colossus or, or something like that, where, you know, I never got the chance to play it, but I actually sat down and watched a playthrough of it because I wanted to see what it was like. Um, Shit, you could have borrowed my PS2 a long time ago and played that. But then I need the game. I ain't going to go out there I and have get the, the game. game. You have Shadows of the Colossus? Yeah, I've had that for years. What? I bought that when I still lived in uh, York Creek. Dang, son. See, I bought a PS2. I'm always... Guitar Hero 2, Shadows of the Colossus, and Snake Eater. That's what I love about you, Jason. I'm I'm always learning new things about you. Yep. Did you beat them? All of those? Uh, I only beat Shadow of the Colossus. I got like pretty far in Snake Eater, but I somehow missed the sniper rifle, and then I got to a boss that you really need the sniper rifle to get past, and I was like, <laughs> F this. Yeah. I found that game to be kind of frustrating because you can never see who was shooting at you from across like another screen snakes and like, oh, oh, that's true i was a snake eater. and then howl <laughs> but yeah um so we're going with uh multiple no platforms yeah multiple platforms i think is still the best way to to go about it pc is probably yeah. the closest to a unified experience that you can get yeah a lot of variation but still it's a similar unified platform yeah it's an interesting topic for discussion, though. I like yes, it. Yes, I like it. I like the cut of your jig. I don't know what that means. <laughs> I like I the know. way your I, jig was cut. Oh, my. I don't, are you coming on to him, or are you... I might be. Okay. Depends okay. on the reception. Uh, moving along, then. Uh, Michael McDonald, at McDonald on the Twitterverse. What is your favorite comic series or graphic novel? I am way out of touch and looking for a good place to start. 
You're out of touch. I'm out of time. Something, 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 but I'm something. Losing my something. head when you're not around. Very nice, dude. 80s. Yeah. Uh, do, do you have an answer for this prepared? I do. You were stressing out earlier. I was. You know the questions. I don't want to act a fool, so I wrote down my my. I got a pencil and I scribbled on little scraps of paper my answers. Okay. Um, for this one, you know. I got to say that even though I haven't completed the the series, the graphic novel series, uh, the Dark Tower was one of them that really pulled me in, probably because one. I had I had read all of the um, the books before I got into the graphic novel. But it was really cool to see someone else's like visualization of that world. And I had been out of graphic novels for so long that the art style I at first was kind of turned off by it, but I grew to really like it as I kind of experienced more of it. So it was, it was really cool to see that different, like I'm, I was used to kind of like the comics of the eighties and nineties, I guess, where you still have that really bright colored everything. Um, but on, I have heard, and I am interested in look, looking for looking to get this one. It's not what you would expect out of a graphic novel but it's called This One Summer. It's supposed hmm. to be really good. And it's not really the topic that you would generally associate with a graphic novel. It's about a young girl who is kind of like on the precipice of, of adulthood. And she's taking a summer vacation where she meets with one of her friends. Like they always, they, they're friends when they're on summer vacation, basically. And then they okay. split apart. And I guess it's supposed to be really really good from what i've heard and on okay. amazon it has like a four and a half stars out of like 50 reviews so oh, that, w- that would be something i would look into if you were didn't want to go the superhero route or something like that um i would have to say my favorite is still Watchmen. that's still my favorite graphic mm. novel and that that's really kind of what got like propelled me back into comics was just the hype around the movie because i had, was not familiar with it at all and then it, it it's probably I know I've talked about it on the show, but probably just that whole experience about going to Chicago, going to Navy Pier, watching Watchmen and IMAX, and then picking up the graphic novel. It just it was. It's got sentiment. Yeah, it does, and it, I I really love that uh, that that novel and that story. I, I like that movie a lot, and yeah, so that it had would, a lot. Would, it had a lot of things to say, which yeah, is always good. And it, the comic does a better job, I think, of. of of covering all that but a lot of people hate on that movie but i still like the movie a lot too um so, it was long so I but think i like it, it was long so i think that's a good that's a good uh starting point um as far as series go um what really propelled me a lot into comics again was reading the ed brubreaker run of uh, captain america dealing with uh right up to civil war the whole civil war timeline and the death of captain america stories um those are all really great. And on a personal note, no, Mike, if you ever want to borrow any of those, I mean, I have them all. <laughs> Lucas has borrowed them. I mean, you're feel free, you can borrow them and read them as well. Uh, but present, you can uh, right now. Uh, Marvel is actually uh, going to have a new Secret Wars line <clears throat> starting, which is basically going to bring together. Um, I wanted, to, I was wanted, meant to talk about this in the news, and I kind of forgot about it. Uh, it's bringing together the Ultimates line with the current line, and you're basically going to have all these heroes fighting alongside one another, and characters are going to die. Dang. So it's basically a way of Marvel's basically shaking everything up and destroying all these separate universes to kind of 
proceed Unified. forward. So yeah, so like right now it's going to be a great jumping on point to get on with any of these series that will come uh, come from the whole Secret Wars thing. So kind of like what DC did with the new Fifty Two a couple years back. You know, Marvel's kind of doing the same same thing. So now it's like a, a great time to get back into it. I have a question for you related to this topic. Mm-hmm. Um, were you did you read any of the Fable comics? Oh uh, yeah, that was gonna be my actually gonna be a suggestion as well. I thought of I okay. I have volumes one and two um, of the uh, collections, so I've read uh, and I have uh, volume one of uh, Saga as well. So I, I haven't had ah. a chance to read Saga, but I've heard really good things about that. Yes, I have as well. Well, good. Down. Yeah, it's good. Good jumping on, Mike. We expect a, a, a full report from you at a later date. Uh, jumping on with Mike's question, uh, we have Rob Goddard at Super Lobster, Super Lobster 06. Adding nice. to this, what comic slash graphic novel that hasn't been touched by studios would make a great TV miniseries? Well, I know I it's kind of already sort of in the works anyway, but I'm still going to say The Dark Tower since it's <laughs> I haven't heard really any news about it. I haven't really been following it, but I know they were talking about it. And I still would like to see it happen. I think it's too long to make into a movie and a TV mini miniseries would do right by it. So, I mean, look at Game of Thrones. That thing is like super long and they're going to make that into, well, a series, not a miniseries. But I think you could do each book in a miniseries. Yeah, I think so. Why not? I'm going to go with... um. I'm not too uh, familiar with it, but I've heard great things about it and I've wanted to read it, is uh, the Lock and Key series, which is the comic mm. by Joe Hill, Stephen King's son, that he writes. It's a horror genre. Um, let's see. It's in, I'm going to just... Just for those that are unfamiliar, I will do a... I'm just going to read this plot summary from Wikipedia here. Uh, plot is presented in chronological order. During the American Revolution, a group of rebels hiding beneath the future key house discover a portal to another dimension. And, well, I guess I don't want to go in too much here because it looks like it might reveal plots. But Well, um, it looks I mean, like it's on. about demons and yeah, magical first, you things. Have your first one, your first uh, six-episode arc is called Welcome to Lovecraft. And you have Head Games, Crown of <laughs> Shadows, Keys to the Kingdom, Clockworks, Alpha and Omega, The Golden Age. So there's six volumes total that are collected in standard issues. So that's my bet, lock and key, because um, I want to read it. So that's my oh, there is a tele, there is a television pilot for it, according to this. Oh, see, great minds think alike. Boom! Dimension Films acquired the film and television rights for Welcome to Lovecraft from IDW Publishing with the intent of developing the property as a feature with John Davis producing. In February 2010, it was announced that Dimension had lost the adaptation rights to DreamWorks. So, I don't Ooh. know. Somebody's got them. They're, they're going all over the place, but right. it's in the works. Kind of like Dark Tower. It's like yeah. they're working on it, but that kind of stuff, whenever you have like a third-party uh, um, content stuff, like, what's the word I'm trying to... Uh, help me, Jason. I, I'm I don't know. You're not making sense so i can't really jump on um, guide you here somebody else's idea basically you're trying to you know when you're buying somebody else's idea it, it always takes forever it seems like as opposed to like having an in-house idea or you know getting a writer yeah. to say hey well, you guys are dealing with a third party it's always going to take longer with the middleman exactly middlemen screw everything up 
Uh, moving along to uh, email submission. Hey, this is Nathan from That's Entertaining, also known as Sith Nightmare on the tweets. Nice. Here's a question for you. As I was told, anything and everything <clears throat> is uh, our, our contents here. Do you think that the Alaska <laughs> Purchase, also known as Stewart's Folly, was a smart decision? LOL, JK. Here's my real question for you. In the Star Wars universe, if you could choose any vessel to cruise the galaxy in, what would it be? I'd personally choose a Star Destroyer. See ya. Hmm. Well, everyone's go-to is going to be Millennium Falcon, so you can't pick that. No, that's not my go-to. That's not my go-to. I will say, though, I think the Alaska Purchase was a smart decision because we get a lot of oil from there, and even though we don't really tap into it that often... um, you got to have that shit in reserve, man. All right. If StarCraft has taught me anything, which it really hasn't, uh, you need reserves of resources so that you can pump out more Zerg. I don't know. <laughs> Gosh. I have three options for my, my choices Ooh, here. I have two, so I'm interested to see what you're saying. I What's would go... Thing? I think the Slave One okay. would be fun. Boba Fett's ship. I've always liked the B-Wing. The Rebel mm. Alliance B-Wing, which yeah. it has, I don't know why it's called the B-Wing, because it doesn't look anything like a B, and it detaches and looks similar to, an, just the way that ship is mostly vert, has mostly verticality with the cockpit on the very top, you know? Yeah. was always interesting. But uh, my top pick would be, um, would be the Outrider, piloted by Dash Rendar. Ooh. Also a Krillian, a Krillian-based uh, spacecraft, but... Um, oh, that's the weird Millennium Falcon that kind of yeah. looks like it got stretched. Yep, made popular in the Shadows of the Empire little miniseries comics uh, video game for the Nintendo 64. And, uh, well, I guess it was on PC as well. And uh, a, a novel. So the Very Outriders, nice. that's my topic. Surprisingly, uh, we didn't overlap somehow. Uh, my, I, I, I don't have a top pick necessarily. It's between these two. I really like the look of the Z95 Headhunter, which I believe was the um, predecessor to the X-Wing, if I remember correctly, because uh, it doesn't, uh, yep. it doesn't yep. have X. It just has two, but it basically that looks like in the, the Clone Wars era. Or? I believe so. I don't yeah, think it's as clone, old as it's the a clone Z95 Starfighter. Okay. Yeah, I, I just like the, it kind of, I don't know, it's like the equivalent of a Corvette to me uh, in car terms, not sailing terms. <laughs> um, or the, uh, I really like the looks of the Imperial ship that you get in Star Wars The Old Republic. I don't know if it has a name, but if you're like an Imperial mm. agent or if you are basically anything besides a bounty hunter, you get this um, Imperial ship that looks freaking badass. It's basically, an older um, it because is this the is x70b phantom Ooh, x70b phantom um it's basically oh no that's not the one man maybe they do have different ships then i know it's the one you definitely get with the imperial agent oh that's the imperial one i thought hold up hmm. um ship it's the it's the one that kind of looks like an x-wing but not. I haven't played the. Oh, uh, maybe Indian it's as much. maybe it's the one that you get with the uh, Inquisitor. Okay, it's the one you get with the Sith Inquisitor. My oh, bad. Okay. Um, so it kind of looks like uh, a Tie Fighter, but 
I don't know if you if you took the wings and like oh yes pointed yes, yes, them yes. forward. Yep. This also reminds me of uh, in the Star Wars um, past games they had Rebel Assault and then you had Rebel Assault Two, and the whole plot line Rebel Assault Two is kind of funny because they had really bad FMV. Um, oh no! Um, Cutscenes and everything, and the whole plot of that game is you were the Empire had a new weapon, and they were like these stealth Tie Fighters, and they kind of loosely resembled this, but they had a they had like a tri wing set up, so they oh, looked yeah. kind of like this, but they had like a wing on the top as well. Yeah, I see that. Oh boy, man, that came out in like ninety five or something. Clearly, yeah, dude, I love Rebel Salt, Rebel Salt Two, Dark Forces. I played a lot of old LucasArts adventure games and the old Star Wars games when I was a kid. They were good ones. All of them. Uh, far from it, actually. Very far from it. <laughs> Let me have especially, my dreams. Especially since in the first game, you, you played as Rookie 1. You were oh, unnamed as Rookie 1. You could be male or female. And then, Holy. In, and then in the sequel, they made you... You, you, were, you had a character, an actor representing you. What, so year, you wh- what year did I say that came out in? Did I say 95? Because it was 97, but it's 95. Damn it. I hope it was 95. I'll go back in the editing. So, and then... so I was 12. I was pumped for that. So that tells you. I just remember waiting Hell for yeah, Dark dude. Forces, which was now on goodoldgames.com. So. There you go. You can relive the magic. Relive the magic all Kyle over Katarn. again. Striking from a hidden rebel base. <laughs> Katarn. And our last question of the evening comes from one Mr. Paolo Vin. I've never tried to pronounce Paulo's last name. Vinicius? Vinicius. Vinicius? Vinicius. Mighty underscore Paulo. I got to assist him on a... He was out to uh, dinner the other day. All of a sudden, my Twitter messages started blowing up, and he was... I I had a bunch of pictures of the beer menu, and he needed advice. So here I am deciphering (laughs) foreign beer menus to try to point him in the right direction, which was hard because it was all all stuff we don't have here. It was all, like, uh, English, Belgian, German... Um, Brazilian, a bunch of beers, you know, that we just don't have here. So um, he's actually going to might do a little beer re- video review of the other one because it said something magma. So we, we agreed that it just sounded cool. It does anyway, sound cool. Uh, here's a question. You're directing a movie adapt- adaptation of a story of your choice. Which one would it be and who would be your main cast? Mm-hmm. This one knocked me for a loop. I had to really, really think hard and yeah. fast. So... Are you? Do you want to go first, or you want me to? I do. Okay. Um, I'm uh, I am doing uh, the movie adaptation of Punch Out. So uh, <laughs> I love it. Start my uh, my pick for Doc Lewis is Reginald Bell Johnson, who played Carl Winslow on Family Matters. Okay. That's gonna be my Doc Lewis. That's, that's ridiculous. And unfortunately, I, I I hate doing it since he already played a boxer before. But when I picture uh, Little Mac, I've got Sylvester Stallone. No, it's uh, a <laughs> it's it looks like a transformer. Oh God, yes. Mark Wahlberg as Little Mac. Mac. So yeah, Mark Wahlberg as Little Mac and Reginald Vale Johnson as uh, Carl Winslow. Um, our referee. Let's let's bring back Michael Buffer as the referee. Let's get ready to rumble. <laughs> has he done? Has he done anything ever since like 1999? Probably not. And then, uh, well, you had to have a variety cast of for all these characters. So, uh, I don't know. Damn, you went too way many, out too, here. too many. Too many to list for that. So that's my main three, though. 
because the the rotating cast of the boxer that'll vary. So you got Marky Mark as Little Mac, Reginald Phil Johnson as Doc Lewis, and Michael Buffer as the Rough. There you go. Punch out the movie coming in uh, 2022. 2022. Dang. Was that something you just made up off the top of your head or do you, do you like the sound of it? No, I'm going to make that happen. I like it. Brought to you by True Myth Media. Oh, snap. All right. Well, it's funny that you chose a video game because I also chose the video chose. I also chose the video game. I speak good words. Nice grammar. Thank you. Uh, and I also chose a older video game, the one that I've actually spoken about kind of on this uh, same topic, Castlevania. So you like to play Castlevania. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, that one's pretty basic. I would obviously take liberties with adding more characters because the original one was Simon Belmont and Dracula and many bosses, but they don't count. They don't need to be people. Um, so Simon, you're going to hate this. You're going to hate me for this. I already know. I probably, I want Simon Belmont to be played by Chris Pratt because I want him to be my friend and we could talk because obviously I'd be directing. I guess you want Dracula to be played by Paul Rudd so you can have a (laughs) sandwich going on in the the back room. (laughs) Hell yeah. Paul Rudd and Chris Pratt run a train on you, huh? No, no, no. Nothing so glamorous as that. Uh, Dracula would be played by Benedict Cumberbatch because he's in everything, so he's got to be the bad guy in this as well. I mean, have you seen that face? And, you know, I was going to add a love interest, but I can't bear the thought of Chris Pratt being interested in anyone else but me, so there you go. That's that's Castlevania. Castlevania coming in 2021 because I can't compete with your much better rendition of uh, Punch Out. Punch 20- Out, the final fight. I think it should be called Punch Out 2022. It's kind of hard to say, but he's a robot. The Hyperstone Heist? <laughs> yes, that too. They're Ninja uh, Turtles. God. And well, we have a question. Moving on, we have a question for you this week. Yeah, uh, how do you, about it. How do you feel about remastered games? Is it worth the second time around? Since that's yes. a trend, you know, we've got your The Last of Us remastered. Now we've got uh, um, it's trending. We got some, you know, the point you've had some point and click games become remastered, such Grim as Fandango. Grim Fandango, uh, Secret of Monkey Island. We've seen remasters of. I, you can kind of call this a whole remaster with this new uh, version of uh, Borderlands, but it's it's been a trend in the industry, which is like movies do rehashes. So let us know how you feel about that, and you can connect with us on uh, twitter.com slash fluxtopose, facebook.com slash fluxtopose, uh, right on the site, fluxtopose.com, or at me- email the show at fluxtopose.com. Maybe while you're at it, you'd like to leave us an iTunes or Stitcher review because it helps us in many ways. And you will be forever grateful, like Michael McDonald did previously. Yeah. Thank you, Michael. Did we? Did you read his review? I did. Oh, I did read okay. his review. Excellent. No, I met on the show. Oh, I didn't read it on the show. No. Okay. Uh, I'd have to pull up iTunes to pull it up. Since fuck that, nobody wants to pull up iTunes. Website doesn't. Like, you can't view all like reviews on the website, which I find stupid. It only shows like the first four we ever received. Which you would think it'd be the other way around. It should be the yeah, four I think newest. Yeah, the most recent or something like that. So, stupid. Uh, yeah, that uh, 
man, was this 48 episodes? We are closing. We've been almost doing this for a year now, man. How crazy is that? That is very crazy. That's the, we started in February of last year. Here we are, the 26th of January. I haven't done anything for a year except to be married. It's <laughs> kind of more of a passive thing, so. You're right. You just exist well, to do that. Don't tell my wife that, though. <laughs> Ooh, dang. Secret safe with me. Thank you. Thank you. And everybody else who listens to the show. <laughs> if you've been here since uh, day one, wow. Kudos to you. Thanks for sticking it out. Hopefully the show's gotten a little better for you along the ride. If you're just discovering the show, hey, we'd like to hear from you. That's cool that yes. you uh, you found us. We hope you hope you continue to listen. So thanks to you and everyone for listening. Uh, Lucas and I greatly appreciate it. And yes, we do. Uh, we're going to roll out of here now because it's Monday night. It's party night. And Tuesday is coming, whether you I like got, it or not. You can't got, stop it. I got to beat Dragon Age 2 before we get to next week's episode so <laughs> yeah i better go get on that and so you can finally play inquisition you mean yes uh what a great by the way what a great uh way to motivate yourself to play something or play all the way through something is is beat the backlog first save time. yeah beat the backlog and just i have the case here in front of me as motivation <laughs> i will i will be it will be with me soon but uh not soon enough perfect well great Let's, uh, let's take off. Thanks again, everyone, for uh, tuning in. And, uh, yeah, come back for episode gosh, 49 next week on the same Flex to Pose time, same Flex to Pose channel. In unison. Booyah, Grandma. Shots. Shot, 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 shots. Yeah, you will hear. I like it. <laughs>